Our first lesson will be when we reach that city. When we reach that city of New Jerusalem, where we're going to sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, by and by. How the ransom singer went together, let that hymn, where we're going to sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah, by and by.
Lord, we ask you to continue to be with us, bless us, and keep us. It's in your Son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our next lesson will be Pass Me Not. Pass Me Not, hold you until the Savior will
that you are such a loving and giving God. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving us the best that heaven had to offer, that we may be free from the stain of sin. We pray, Heavenly Father, for this bread which we are about to take, which is your son's broken body. We pray that each and every one that partakes will do so in a manner that is well-pleasing and acceptable to you. It's in the blessed and merciful name of Jesus that we pray and we give thanks. And we all say it. Amen. And we pray for the fruit of your body. Holy Father, we again come before you with thanksgiving on our lips. Again, Father, thanking you for the best that heaven had to offer. We thank you for this cup, which is your son's shed blood. We pray that each and every one that partakes would do so in a manner that is well-pleasing and acceptable to you. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray and we give thanks. And we all say, Amen. We now have an opportunity as another part of our service to give back to God that which he has so blessed us with. And again, the, the Apostle Paul writing to the Church of Christ at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, in verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order in the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. On the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Shall we pray for the offering? Father in heaven, we are so indeed thankful that we can come before your throne of magnificence, mercy, and grace, thanking you, Father, for all that you do for us. We know, Father, that you are better to us than we are to ourselves, and we pray that you will continue to shower your bounty upon us. We pray, Heavenly Father, that each and every one of us that give back a portion to you, that we would do so out of love, not of compulsion, nor of necessity. But we know that you love a cheerful giver. And we pray, Father, that these funds that will be taken up will be used for their intended purpose. And that is to spread the glorious gospel of Christ, to take care of needy saints, and to take care of the community around us. Continue to watch over the blessings, and we thank you for your Son, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit. It's in the mighty and merciful name of Jesus that we pray and we give thanks. And we all say, Amen. The next collection will be page 578. We will glorify. We will glorify the King of Kings. We will glorify the Lamb. We will glorify the Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb, 
Verse 1 of Acts chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the night, at the uh, at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man laid from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, here's the pivotal verse I want us to focus on, said, look on us. In the midst of this pandemic, we as believers ought to be able to tell the world to look on us. To see how we deal with a pandemic. Yes, to see how we deal with a crisis. And Bible says in verse number 5, And he gave heed unto them, 
expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I not. Well, you know that the Church of Christ preaches. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he stood up, he and he leaping, stood up and walked and entered with them into the temple. Watch this. Walking and leaping and praising God. Some Church of Christ will have a problem with that. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. I want to speak as a spiritual guy with this thought in our minds from that pivotal fifth a fourth verse look on us if we are going to have a fearless faith in troubled times we as believers ought to be able to tell the world look on us and so with the fires of Pentecost still burning in their hearts Peter and John joined a parade of people on their way up to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was a Jewish custom that at three particular times of the day, they were to pause from their daily activities and make their way to the temple and engage in prayer. I don't know where this custom came about. Perhaps it came about because Daniel, while he was in Babylonian captivity, he opened his windows which were pointed towards Jerusalem and the Bible said he prayed three times a day. It could have come to pass because of what David said in Psalms 55 and verse 17, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. I'm not sure for what reason this ritual or this ceremony came about, but for whatever reason, Peter and John made their way to the temple to engage in prayer. And the difference between Peter and John has been well documented. You see, Peter was a doer, but John was a dreamer. Peter was a motivator, while John was a mystic. And even though we observe that natural differences, very often it would lead to some heated encounters, but now after the resurrection of Jesus, we see them with their hearts welded together by their mutual love for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And memories must have flooded their minds because the text says in verse 1, it was the ninth hour that they were observing prayer. And you Bible readers are well acquainted with the ninth hour. The ninth hour ought to always conjure up thoughts of Calvary. You Bible readers remember that Jesus hung on the cross from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. The ninth hour when midnight darkness came at midday. The ninth hour when humankind was at its worst but God was at its best. It was the ninth hour that magical moment when redemption took place, when Jesus dropped his head in the lock of his shoulders and gave up the ghost. The Bible says that Peter and John were on their way up to the temple at the ninth hour of prayer. All right. And as they made their way up, they encountered an unexpected and unsolicited opportunity to practice and do evangelism. And I want to share with you some things that happened at the gate. And when we look at this pandemic, in a sense the world is coming to the gates of the church 
and they want the church to model for them how they should carry themselves in the midst of this pandemic. And the first thing I want you to notice is there is a cripple at the gate. In verse 2 of the text, it says that a certain lame man from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Now, there are several things we need to notice about this man right here. And the first thing we need to notice is that this cripple had a serious defect. And this coronavirus has brought about a serious defect in the world today. And we know that this man had a serious defect because the verse says that it was a certain man lame. And that he was lame from his mother's womb. Now that tells us that this man had a defect from birth. It tells us he was born with a physical malady. This man had a serious defect. And this coronavirus, this COVID-19, has brought about a serious defect. And apparently, it was well known throughout the entire community about this particular man being lame because over in chapter 4 and verse 22, you will discover that this man has been in this condition, the Bible says, more than 40 years. For 40 years, he has been lame. I don't know how long this pandemic is going to last, but this man has been in the situation he's been in for 40 years. Now that tells us a few things by way of application. First of all, it tells us that his parents never experienced the thrill of seeing the son take his first steps. He had been lame for 40 years. It tells us they never experienced the joy of seeing him stand on his two feet. It tells us that as a little boy, he never enjoyed the games of chase, tag, or hide and seek because he had been lame from his birth on. He never ever enjoyed the privilege of jumping and running with the other boys. All he could do was sit in the window and watch the parade of life pass him by because he had a serious defect. But not only did he have a serious defect, this man had a sad dependency. Look at verse 2. It says that a certain man from his mother's womb was carried. He had a sad dependency. You see, as this man grew from boyhood into manhood, he became an even greater burden to those who had the responsibility of taking care of him. Not only did he have a physical burden, because he couldn't walk, but he also had an economical burden because he couldn't work. He even had a social burden. He had a sad dependency because everywhere he went, somebody had to carry him. You see, no farmer would give him a job to help bring in the harvest. No fisherman would give him a license to fish and to help bring in the catch. No army would give him a sword or an arrow to help him defend the nation. This man had a sad dependency. He had to depend on others to carry him everywhere he went. But he also had not only a serious defect, not only a sad dependency, but then thirdly, he had a soul desire. Look at the latter part of verse 2 again. It says, he asked of them alms that entered into the temple. This man had a soul desire. Now, Peter and John had been catapulted into popularity over the previous week in Jerusalem because they just held a big gospel meeting and about 3,000 souls were baptized into Christ. But this man was not impressed with their popularity. He was not impressed, even though they held a citywide gospel meeting and many souls have been brought to Christ. All he knew is he was poor, he was hungry, and he was handicapped. And this man realized 
that if he didn't get a coin that day, he wouldn't be able to buy some bread. And without bread, he would go to sleep hungry another night. And so his sole desire was to receive alms. That was his sole desire. He was such a victim of his culture. He was such a child of his circumstances that it never dawned on him that he could ask for anything else. So he just kept asking for alms. Arms for the poor, arms for the poor. Anybody coming through the gate has arms for the poor. This man had a serious defect. He had a sad dependency. And he had a soul desire. Now, preacher, all that's well and good about this man. But what does that have to do with us? This lame man is a microcosm of the human predicament. He's a microcosm of this pandemic that we're going through. This lame man is a visible demonstration of the plight of the human family right here on this mundane circumvention called planet Earth. The lame man is a cameo of the malady that impacts all of us humans who live on God's green earth. But what does that mean? It means that since all of us have seen Romans 3 and verse 23, all have seen and we've come short of the glory of God. And since sin is a deadly crippler, Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. We all have a serious defect. And that serious defect is without Christ, we are lost. Without Christ, we are on our way to hell. Without Christ, there is no hope. Without Christ, we all have a serious defect. But not only do we have a serious defect, but we too have a sad dependency. Well, let me put this text in our context. Let me conceptualize this. You see, this man had to be killed. And so often, we too have to be careful. We have to be careful because we're not carrying ourselves. When we don't support the church consistently, we are not carrying ourselves. We don't, when we don't support the ministries and the church programs committedly, we are not carrying ourselves. When we don't support the church financially because biblically we are commanded to do so, we are not carrying ourselves. And whenever we as a people are depending on somebody else for their strength, for their sustenance, something within us may well die. When we constantly depend on someone else for our strength and for our power, initiative is castrated. Ambition is emasculated. And so often we allow ourselves to be carried by someone else. When in fact we should be trusted in God to carry us when we walk by faith and not by doubt. Yeah. And then we too end up with a soul desire. Because sin if you're not careful, will reduce you to the level of beggary. And you are begging to have your hurts met with some helps because you are not allowing yourself to walk by faith. You're allowing yourself to walk by that. Let me give you one more point. Not only do I see a helpless cripple but then I also see some challenges at the gate. Look at verse 2 again. Whom they laid at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. Now Herod had made this area one of the wonders of the world. The Bible only mentions here this one gate, the gate called beautiful. But I want you to know that there were nine gates throughout this area. This was the area where the gate of the partition was located. 
This is the area where there were many gates. This is the area where the Jews walked through the gates of the Gentiles into the gates of the women. And they were there because this area was the area where the religious festivities took place. Now there are three things I want you to see about the challenges at the gate. First of all, there is a tragic contrast. Did you notice here that the text talks about this beautiful gate? Now this gate was beautiful. It was gorgeous in all of its pomp and all of its splendor. That's on the gate, but on the ground. Here is, the, here is this poor, pitiful paralytic consumed by object poverty that's on the ground. Now this is a tragic contrast of what's on the gate versus what's on the ground. Well, Josephus, a first century historian, tells us a little bit about this gate. Josephus says it was a marvelous piece of ancient architecture. Josephus says the gate was 75 feet high, 65 feet wide. He said it was overlaid with a beautiful piece of Corinthian brass. Josephus says that the gate was given by a wealthy Alexandria. He tells us that the ornaments of silver and gold that arrayed this gate made it show enough beautiful when the sun began to shine upon it in the noontime. It was a marvelous gate, but that's on the gate, but on the ground. Here is this poor paralytic man on the ground, and when you look at the contrast of what's on the gate versus what's on the ground, what we have here is worship on the gate, but woe on the ground. We've got loveliness on the gate, and lameness on the ground. We got dignity on the gate, but we got destitution on the ground. We got splendor on the gate, but we got sickness on the ground. And the irony that they coexisted in the very shadow of the temple of God, and nobody sought to reconcile the two extremes. Therein lies the challenge of the church at the gate and the responsibility of the church towards the world in the midst of this pandemic. That is the challenge of the churches of Christ. We're going to be what God wants us to be. We're going to have to take the loveliness that's on the gate and hook it up with the lameness that's on the ground. We got to take the worship that's on the gate and reconcile it with the human woe that's on the ground. We gotta take the dignity that's on the gate and bring it together with the destitution that's on the ground. We gotta take the splendor that's on the gate and connect it with the sickness that's on the ground. Amen. Therein lies the hindrance, hindrance, to our ability to help this sin-sick world. You see, the great test of the authenticity of our faith is not how many times we come to church. It's not about how well we give, as important as those things are. The test of the authenticity of our fearless faith in the midst of these troubled times is what we do with the cripples. And that is the challenges that God has placed at our feet at the gate. I thank God that we are, we are feeding folk on this corner. We're trying to evangelize folk on this corner. But then I see something else in this text. Not only do I see the tragic contrast but in this text, there is also a theological custom. Did you notice that they brought him to the gate of the temple? But did you also notice that it never said, nor it implies that he ever went inside? 
Now, before you jump on the scripture, man, you need to know the theological custom of his day did not allow him to go inside the temple. You see, the theological attitude of that day was, if you had a malady, a disability, if you were infirmed in any way, you were thought to be unclean. Therefore, you could not enter the temple. Think about that. Separated from God by religion, denied access to God by theology. I wish I had time to deal with that, but I want you to know that bad religion still lives today. You see, religion is like water. On one hand, it can cleanse and refresh, but bad religion, on the other hand, can engulf us and drown us. And when you do an accurate study of the Word of God, that's the only way you can make sure you're not practicing bad religion. And the theology of that day said if you were sick, it was because of some personal sin. So the theology said, let a sick man stay sick because his sickness is a divine act of God and it does not behoove us to undo what God has done. That was the theology of the day. That's why they had a difficult time understanding Jesus who came healing the sick, raising the dead. They had a difficult time with that because they didn't have a theology to interpret Jesus' behavior. And Jesus had to give them a new theology over there in John chapter 9. Bible readers remember when Jesus' disciples asked him about the man who was born blind. They said, who did sin, this man or his parents? Jesus said, neither. But this man was born like that so that the works of God might be made manifest in the Son. Maybe God has allowed this pandemic to show us so his son can get some glory. All right. So Jesus had to give them a new theology. So there is a tragic contrast. There is the theological custom. And then thirdly, there is a theatrical church. But you notice that they brought him to the gate of the temple. Now you do know what a theater is, don't you? I know all the theaters are closed now. But that's when you go to see a performance. We call it a play. And you know what you find in the theater, don't you? You find actors and actresses who wear a mask to cover the reality or identity of who they really are. That's why the Bible uses the term hypocrite. Hypocrite was really an actor or an actress, and they wore masks to disguise who they were. Now, I call it a theatrical church because Judaism was a dead religion. It had no power anymore. They had ceremony without Christ. They had religion without redemption. They had law without love or legitimacy. It was a dead religion because Judaism found this man lame and left him lame, found him crippled and left him crippled, found him paralyzed and left him paralyzed. It had no power over his paralysis. And we still have theatrical churches today, all for show. Theatrical churches, all the choir does, is show up to show out to see who can outsane one another. We have theatrical preachers who do some pulpit acrobatics in order to stimulate and impress the crowd. We have theatrical churches who want to save but not serve, who want to pray but not pay, who want a crown but no cross. We have some theatrical churches because people come with their sickness. They come with their sorrows, with their hurts, their habits, and their hang-ups, and they can find no power to help them overcome their spiritual paralysis. We have people that say, you can find love, but when they come, do they find love? You can find joy, peace, healing. 
Bible. On Thursdays when we give out the food, I don't know, I know we baptized at least 10 or more of those people in my time being here at the Crest. And some of those people have fallen by the wayside. And I don't know, through that meager gesture of putting some food in someone's car, hopefully we can show them the love of Christ. Hopefully we can show them the joy of Christ. Somebody said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. And for the members of, our, uh, members of our church who have worked on that ministry, they know the joy of being able to give somebody food who's hungry. And in the midst of this pandemic, people are unemployed. They don't have a check coming. And they may never come back to our church. But at least they got a chance to see the love of God Amen. in us. Amen. And when people come, they want to see if we advertise, if we put into practice, if we provide what we advertise. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We're going to stop right here. But I want to say to somebody, you need the love of God. And in the midst of this pandemic, you're wondering if we care about you. Yes, we love you. And we love you with the love of the Lord. And my friend, this pandemic is perhaps God's way of trying to get your attention and our attention. God wants you to know that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I can preach the gospel just in John 3 and verse 16. I mean, everything we need to know about God is right there. It's filled with superlatives. For God, the greatest being, so loved, the greatest act, the world, the greatest object, that he gave his only begotten son, the greatest gift, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The greatest promise ever made. And if you come to Jesus right now by faith, Romans 10, verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. John 8, 24, unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sin. You've got to come by faith. And then you've got to be willing to do what the Bible calls repentance. Repentance means to make a change. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3 and verse 5, he said it twice. He said, I tell you nay, I tell you no, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Maybe God is allowing this to happen so that we as Humanity will repent and turn back to him before it's too late. And then when you repent, you need to be willing to acknowledge that God's son is Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he's the savior of the world. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, he said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess before my Father which is in heaven. And then he said, Whosoever therefore shall deny me before men, him will I deny before my Father, which is in heaven. And Jesus is saying, if you confess me now, I'll confess you later. If you deny me now, I'll deny you later. And then, my friend, baptism is when you consummate that faith. Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Amen. Look on us. We're trying to demonstrate a fearless faith in the time of trouble. And for those of you who are Christians, you're members of Dale Christ, we're going to pray for you right now. Whatever your concerns are, whatever they are, whatever your needs are, you acknowledge them before God. And God, who's in all places at the same time, and he can behold the good and the evil that men do, he knows is in your heart. Let us pray.
Once again, oh power for all wise God, we come to your presence. We come lifting up those who make up the body of Christ, those who may have fallen a guilty distance from you. We're asking that you forgive them for their sins and remember them no more. Whatever hardship they're going through physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and financially, and socially, we pray the Lord that you guide, guard, and direct them and give them the healing that they stand in need of based on their willingness to make a change by repenting and striving to get closer to you. And Lord, we place this world in your hands. We pray, the Lord, that you bring about a revival and you bring about a healing. That you help us to humble ourselves and seek your faith and turn from our wicked ways. Then when you hear from heaven and you will forgive us for our sins and you will heal our land. Please, dear God, heal our Remove this virus from our presence. Bring us to our knees and change our hearts that we might glorify you. And if we do this, Lord, there'll be more than enough. We give you the glory. We give you the praise. In the name of the one who robbed the grave and gave hope to the whole world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes, I want to thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you, Lord. Yes, I just want to thank you, Lord. Yes.
store up this morning. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for giving us the wisdom to reach out and to do and say those things that you want us to say in a manner that's pleasing in your sight. We ask you to bless the brothers and sisters today. Give them the wisdom and the strength that you that you want us to have and you want us to show as we worship you in spirit and in truth. Heavenly Father, we come to you and ask you to bless our country that's in the hands of this virus that's so wrong, that's taken so many. We know that as our Father, you are an almighty physician. We know that you will protect us and to take care of us and help us to come through the other side not our way, but your way. We need you in our lives, Heavenly Father, to guide us and keep us. These things we ask and say in your Son's name. Amen. 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 Amen.